0: Okay, welcome all to another edition of End The Podcast with your host, Anton, and my reviewing co-host, Andrea. Hello, Andrea. Hello. Um, apologies for the delay. We have been a bit slow on our book reviews, but we are back, we are back on it now. We're
1: back. We're back now.
0: <clears throat> and uh, we're kicking it off with a bang. So this week i should stop saying this week because we don't we don't, do them no, we don't. Do I don't know why i keep saying that but i'm going to we do explain. them
1: like every three months
0: <laughs> yeah i need a. I need a word for we do them when we feel like it is there a word yeah, for that i don't um, know anyway so yeah so we are reviewing uh paul Bloom's book the sweet spot suffering pleasure and the key to a good life now i'm a uh, massive paul Fan, Andrea, you probably already know this um, i do yeah I, do. I have many many of his books um he is a i would classify him as kind of like a social psychologist um probably yeah if i had to kind of place him like he, he does a lot of work kind of around like moral development um, you know things like empathy um i mean he's, he's one of those people that sort of pops up everywhere he obviously look, obviously he's looking at pleasure and and suffering in 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 this example but uh he he has quite a large uh wheelhouse really kind of everything really within social social psychology I kind of put Paul Bloom in yeah Um, and I think he's based in Yale so I've I've got I think I've I've got most of his books now but um my favorite one of his is um Against Empathy which I would also recommend which absolutely changed my life it is Genius, because I, I mean, I'm not sure if I ever told you, Sandra, but I used to work in like, um, kind of like the, the sort of like care sector, you know, like you know, obviously like in children's homes, things like that. No,
1: I didn't know that. I knew you'd been a PT,
0: yeah, yeah. I oh, know, well, yeah, my my, my my many, many old lives, but while, yeah. while while I used to do that, uh, work, I like on, on an emotional level, I found it really, really, really difficult because of the level of trauma that you would encounter, doing yeah. That type of work. And uh, I came across that book by chance against empathy, and it really basically kind of like. Argues the case that we should kind of like develop a more cognitive empathy as opposed to the more kind of emotional, kind of gut feeling one. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes a re- he makes a really compelling uh, argument for that, um, I, I, and and it, it, it was very useful to me. So yeah, I am a big yeah. I am a bigger fan of his. But obviously today we are looking at something different. His latest book, The Sweet Spot, and uh, in, in a bit of a nutshell, Andrea, uh, what what is this book about?
1: Um, so it's how pleasure can lead to happiness. Pain can lead to happiness, but also does the opposite. It's basically looking at what how people react to suffering and pleasurable things, which like gives it. you quite a broad scope. Yeah, yeah. yeah of does, things to look at.
0: Uh, I don't know the best way to do this. At first, I think maybe we maybe just talk a little bit about like the way that he tends to write it. What I liked about it is he kind of writes it in a way that's almost like you're having a kind of like philosophical kind of like discussion in a pub
1: yeah you can yeah. kind of go on a journey probably like many of the discussions we've had in a pub um but yeah you kind of go on a journey and he he breaks things down bit mm. by bit but also links them together quite well so when you go from one say you're reading about pain yeah and then you start reading about pleasure. He mixes them together quite well, so you don't ever feel like, oh, right, okay, that's done. They he he brings everything together so so well that, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, and and there is a lot of skill in that kind of like conversational yeah. style of uh,
1: yeah,
0: right. It's I, I, not
1: just a uh, rambling over a pint that two friends have. It's, no, no, no. He's got to put a lot of time and effort into it, and it, it's just him. He's not. It's just him.
0: I feel like there's there's definitely like a skill in in, in taking quite what well, quite scientific, quite sort of like philosophical concepts and kind of making them really accessible. Like I think anyone could read this. And, yeah,
1: he he, he always yeah. does that quite well. I think we did we do the other one, Descartes' baby, not so long well, I say not so long ago, but it's probably mm. a while ago now. Um, and he did the same with that. And anyone can read it, no matter what you whether your entry level understanding into what mm. he does or like you you've read everything that he does like anyone can pick up these books
0: no like it's, it's kind of kind of like watching a movie and you're know, like every time you watch yeah. it you pick up different things it's got to have something in there um, yeah you could, that you could pick up on yeah um i mean in terms of like st- structure then it's it i mean there's not actually many kind of like sort of i suppose sections to it it's a relatively short book i think it's like i think i think it's just like it's 220
1: about, pages maybe something like that yeah
0: um yeah so it's, you know the main sort of headings are suffering uh benign masochism um unaccountable pleasure struggle meaning sacrifice and sweet poison that was my favorite one I quite I quite, liked that one. Also, I quite enjoyed
1: the last one
0: also a great heavy heavy metal album mm-hmm. um,
1: yes
0: yeah, separate story so yeah. let's uh get into the get into the content then so um do you want to do you want to go first and say what you liked um in detail about about some of the content and uh, some of the ideas that he was engaging with
1: I mean, like I say, I quite like we've already said how he he writes in general, Mm. and how he leads everything one thing onto another is for me is great because I don't really know much about what he does, don't really know much about him. So to be able to read this, and you're not overwhelmed, you're not blown away. Mm -hmm. He breaks, he, he does it quite well. Where he knows that he's talking to quite a broad audience. And he he explains it for new readers very, very well, but doesn't dumb it down for the, the people that know what he's on about. And I think he does that really, really well. Mm. Uh, for me, Sweet Poison, definitely one of the chapters that I really enjoyed. Um, the suffering one I did and the meaning one I did, because I feel like everyone feels like something's got a meaning in life.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I've, I've liked... It's,
1: you know, climbing Mount Everest what what's meaning to
0: it <laughs> yeah yeah i think you've summarized it in a, in a very a very short sentence <laughs> there um so i suppose what i'd like to maybe start talking about is when he when he kind of starts addressing like the the nature of human suffering um it, it's funny when like someone's talking about something which is so every day you kind of assume mm-hmm. that you get it right that you understand it yeah um but where he like kind of like dif- differentiates between chosen and unchosen suffering because Almost all the times, when you think about suffering, it's it's really the the unexpected suffering that you think about, right? Or oh like yeah, it's the loss or bus.
1: something you weren't planning for that to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 you mentioned like the example there. You know, just to kind of obviously to expand it for those that haven't haven't read it, he he talks about the I suppose like the difference between like I don't know, getting a, a terminal illness, obviously, which is completely unchosen, compared to like climbing Mount Everest, right? Which is a totally totally different experience yeah um okay I, and yeah so I quite I quite I quite I quite enjoyed that because obviously that that is horrendously painful I imagine climbing uh like a mountain like that but it, I don't know what's yeah it, it, I, I enjoy the way he kind of unpicked that
1: yeah he he spoke about a couple of people that did it and you know he he explains like they do it because it's a challenge it's rewarding you feel good at the end of it, that you've done something, and hmm. then you get this hero's welcome when you come back home, and you're like, "Oh, it's amazing! You've just climbed my Everest." Yeah, there's that.
0: There's that but kind then, of moral praise you get for doing something like that. Yeah,
1: but then there's also the guy who lost his hands because of it, and he viewed it in a completely different way because he'd actually come back from, you know, he he'd achieved what he wanted to achieve, but he also lost something on the way and then he was like no i actually take like my family f- for granted like i've probably taken them for granted i've probably taken these little things and then he learned the pleasures in like the small things in life that we all take for granted seeing friends seeing family being able mm-hmm. to drive the car and then he had a completely like 180 on how he viewed things because of that one thing that happened on his trip yeah yeah and i didn't never it doesn't really happen to many people but they they were the two sides that you had to that, that one experience. Yeah, they it kind of, it did the kind same of made thing. me think,
0: like, what, what is it about that individual, right? Because, like, you could have two individuals, you know, that might, yeah. you know they might both lose their limbs or something, but how is it that, that someone can take, you know, such a sense of purpose from that and where someone else, you know, might, you know, be yeah, depressed and take their own life, right?
1: That's it, someone else's, that's it, I can't walk again, I can't cook again, then they go into that, black hole but he seemed to he seems to come out of the other side like viewing mm. things in the most positive way
0: no no it was a it was a um a, like a powerful example
1: mm. yeah.
0: um again i i have like loads of loads of points that i like about this up. like i've already written in my head so
1: you can let's run with your points then let's yeah, run cause... with your points because i know you're very excited about this one
0: uh, <laughs> big fan Gillius charged, so sue me. Yeah, yeah. um, it, it's also because like I'm a researcher myself, and like if I was to write a book, this is the exact style that I'd wish to, I'd wish to write. Do you know? Yeah, mean?
1: that's it. That's it. Yeah.
0: Um, it, it's the perfect balance of like content, but like accessibility. So, um, when is here, yeah, So, um, what I suppose let's 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 stay on suffering because that's, that's that's kind of you know it's kind of sectioned that way anyway. And um, Paul also explores the like the way that humans. Although it maybe it's maybe a little, a little bit awkward to admit that we all desire suffering for some reason. Um, for some and,
1: reason,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I really liked how we, I think I think he uses the example of um, Hitler, I think, right? And he, like his yeah, his kind of like rise, rise rise to power. Like like he never he never even yeah. attempted to offer them. Okay, you know, once 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 I achieve power, I'm going to give you you know a comfortable life. Um,
1: he was set on carrying on.
0: Yeah, it's like all I can promise you is death, destruction, yeah. war. Yeah. But you might get some purpose at the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I I enjoyed that because I I I kind of felt like he was, I don't know, um shining a light on a human vulnerability maybe.
1: Yeah, I think that's where it came from. So, as much as people had to suffer because of him, mm-hmm. I think he as an individual was vulnerable which then caused this power trip this i want to cause suffering i want to do this there you know something's obviously happened and triggered that but for one person's suffering he caused or for one person's you know upset it wasn't really suffering he caused all that suffering throughout i mean you're still feeling the effects of it today really with with some things
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah 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 but it's, it's, it's just a bit of an oddity that, that, that we crave, that, that, that level yeah, of odd. But these
1: people yeah. carried on as well. I suppose they had to, though. In that time, you were you either lived or you died, mm. and you had to live through that suffering regardless. There was never going to be any happy times. You, it, I think the thing that probably kept him going, and I think he does touch upon it, is that light at the end of the tunnel that something's always got to get better.
0: All pain is temporary,
1: right apparently so <laughs> um
0: on the I suppose I'd also like to maybe that we can get into a little bit as well um you know, jump you know sort of maybe, maybe we can explore the the way that he talks about pleasure as well um he says that kind of there is a I don't know um a weird thing where both both pleasure and pain can give us yeah, can give us a sense of purpose, yeah um, I, I don't know I, mean, I don't think that's all that's always the case um i don't know i don't know what i don't know what what, what you thought but that, that definitely kind of applies to i think like organized religion and stuff right
1: yeah it does i think there is i don't think it necessarily applies in day-to-day life where you can apply most of the things he talks about in the book but mm-hmm. some people will do stuff like that you know with your cults and your some religions there is mad things where they're like oh yeah you've got to hurt yourself but God wants you to do it. I mean, uh, I, I was know, actually trying to
0: think of one that, that, that doesn't have like, that, suffering as a main component.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say, as I was reading that, the scene that pops into my head was, um, is it the Da Vinci Code yeah. in the film where he's hitting his back?
0: Oh, the self-flagellation.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know why that scene pops into my head, but that was the one there. I was like, yeah, but I don't think there is many circumstances that you can actually say with religion or cults that they they don't hurt themselves for this sort of pleasure or uh, none are springing to mind anyway
0: i mean i mean yeah even i mean again paul does also mention this as well even even you know faiths like buddhism you know have have forms of Hmm. forms of that i mean even sort of like the the pilgrimage where they've kind of got like you know prostrate for you know th- like a thousand prostrations or, or or whatever mm-hmm. you know there's a cover huge distances um which, which is obviously kind of like a physical trial and then obviously there's the there's the discipline and like like yeah re- renouncing attachments to your loved ones things like that which obviously are not easy and in, in, yeah. It, it, yeah it's quite painful not in, in all in all sorts of ways so i think you spot on with that actually
1: yeah
0: yeah, right. yeah. um some I thought like that I imagine you probably like your work quite a lot because I mean, you know you're a you're a film buff right is, is a little is, bit is, is that kind of like relationship between pleasure and suffering and how we enjoy it through through fiction yeah what do you, you, you think about that
1: books and films um yeah you you definitely get that you you watch a film and you know suffering happens or you, like you might choose to watch a film that's sad because you want to cry and you want to get it out and you suffer through that way you choose a way of doing it or you read a book that you know makes you feel really happy or makes you laugh you Mm -hmm. choose your form of media to reflect how you how you are at that time so I think it is quite interesting. I'd never actually, I imagine everyone does it subconsciously. I've never thought, oh yeah, I'm going to watch this because I want to have a good cry and suffer this afternoon. Or I want to watch Lord of the Rings because I want to see loads of people get killed. You want to watch it because it's a good film, but probably subconsciously somewhere in there is that thing of watching it because there's suffering or happiness or something
0: yeah it's it's very Freudian isn't it like you know sort of yeah. like you, you you sort of vicariously enjoying all these immoral uh you yeah. know, acts and whatnot um
1: I think a film franchise that probably did it quite well and absolutely capitalized on it was so people hmm. went seven films long to watch people suffering in rooms and on trials why because it gave them happiness it's true pleasure. it's true there's nothing
0: else in there other than suffering really it's not like there's like no. great acting going on in there you know
1: no there's not um it's questionable yeah and even then they've they've managed to create spinoffs of it as well like it's it's bonkers but people went went and watched it at home or at the cinema for like however long it's on to get something from it
0: i think paul there's a great there's a great you know sort of um He's he's great at kind of like sort of like describing that, yeah, that distance, right? Like like there's obviously like limits to our empathy. Like I want to feel sorry for this character, but also yeah, I don't care that much. Yeah, <laughs>
1: but this is it because I think most people can differentiate between what is real life and what isn't. So that's just like an hour and a half, two hours of your life where you're like right, and you come out of it mm, and mm, mm. you finish watching it. And that's it. It, It's over. You. It's not as though you're living through it all the time. Mm -hmm.
0: No, that's fair point. Um, he also talked a great deal about the kind of moral implications of pleasure, and I'd not really thought about this too much prior. Actually, this is probably the one of interesting sections for me. Um, I think the term that he, well, I don't think he Paul coined it, but um, he referenced like tainted altruism. Mm. so like so 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 the idea that if you're even even if you're doing something good um you know say you know working at a charity or something if you're also i don't know exploiting them in some way that then ca- cancels out the goodness that yeah that you would do which i yeah. thought was really quite interesting because it doesn't really make rational sense does it when, when you think no about
1: it, it doesn't it doesn't you you know if someone says to you i'm working at a charity i'm doing this then you think oh yeah that's great but then if they're also stealing from it and selling on ebay then they're making their own gains off it and i imagine there is people that do that but it's weird
0: well i mean i was in that example they're stealing that's kind of like illegal but you can you can tweak it so it's perfectly legal and you know like but you know if you know if if you're I know, like there's like there's loads of cases where you hire people um, you know, to to make money for a charity, say somebody who who actually works in the corporate sector or something. And they make loads of money for the charity, but also take a nice massive salary. Oh yeah,
1: there's loads of people that do that, isn't there? There's there's loads. It's just it's wrong. I don't know. But then are they just clever for playing a game that they've been able to play?
0: Well, this is the thing like you can like obviously like you you can look at it from a purely like moral point of view or you can look at it just from a kind of cost benefit kind of like, yeah. analysis, which I mean arguably really like if you're if you're trying to maximize charity right or you know it's just like social good to work if I'm trying to I don't know like prevent as many homeless people as possible, even if you know I hire these you know say say hi high hi I, I hire 10 of these business managers who could you know get me millions in revenue. Yeah, yeah I might I might I might pay them insane salaries, but overall, I can probably help more homeless people, right?
1: Yeah, that's it So that's
0: it should be fine, but it doesn't feel fine, does it? It doesn't
1: feel fine. I think it's knowing that it's for I think it gets a bit funny, and you people feel a bit weird about it because it's charity, if yes. it was looked at as a normal job or anything else going to work no one would question it but it's because of who they're helping or what charity they're helping you know like you say if you're helping homeless people Mm. all of a sudden if you're profiteering out of it then as an individual um you know it's frowned upon because surely you should be able to with whatever you're taking you could benefit more homeless people yeah yeah exactly it's a grey area but then you put it a different way and go, oh, I go to work every day and get paid for it. Then it becomes perfectly rational, which is what someone is doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just like the power of framing. It really yeah. is insane. And, and I suppose, you know, like, like the whole idea of, of jobs as well. And Paul does mention this like <laughs> for some like for some reason, you know, with jobs, if, it's almost like if you're if you're doing something good, it, sh- it by definition it should be it should pay less. Yeah. It's like for some reason, if there's any social good, it's like well, you're 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 already receiving pleasure for doing that social good, so you don't deserve extra, you don't extra money. Get it. Yeah. Um, and I can't. I think I, I don't remember. I think it was um, uh, bullshit jobs, like the rise of like bullshit employment or something. Um, uh, other other book, book book that I read, but there there is like a direct kind of like correlation between like social harm and like salaries like the more yeah, horrendous yeah. you know and immoral your job is the better it pays like
1: oh yeah
0: you know talking like arms dealers you know like it's it's oh it's, yeah it's ridiculous or working for like it's... big big farmer or something like that
1: that's it that's it you just the yeah it's it's bonkers how it works
0: um uh-huh. what else did we go I still, I, I still have quite a few points, by the way. I'm sorry to say. That
1: um, is fine. Well, uh, I know you're a massive, massive fan, so I'm happy for you to uh, take lead on this one.
0: Um, he also uh, talks a great deal, kind of like about the link between kind of like pleasure and, I suppose, like moral, ha- moral happiness. I'm not sure. Yeah. Have you ever come across the idea of that? Uh, I think he calls it the like hedonic treadmill, which I think was so interesting and so true to life
1: um no i don't think i ever ever come across it
0: well i I mean i have this experience as well so i'm I'm, I'm sure i'm sure you do and i'm sure you you can give us an example of it but basically like the point the point he's making that regardless of how pleasurable something is we naturally like you know habituate i get used to whatever that is so i think he gives the example of like you know what if like a beautiful woman kisses you once yeah and then kisses you again and again and again and like after like a thousand kisses is it still pleasurable
1: well yeah this is it it's is it i don't know
0: what what arguably decreased over time didn't it
1: oh well yeah it must do it becomes like normal doesn't it it's just becomes part of your like routine part of your you know it's going to happen at some point that this beautiful woman's going to kiss you
0: yeah. I, I mean, okay. What's your, what's your favorite food, Andrea? It's
1: my favorite food.
0: Oh. What's your favorite food? You know, if you're what's only my favorite
1: one. food. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate. Chocolate's a good, uh, yeah, chocolate.
0: Okay. Right. So if you were given chocolate every, every, every hour for the rest of your life.
1: Oh, I'd be the happiest girl in the world.
0: But would you though? But would you? I don't think you would be.
1: I don't know. There were. There probably will get a point where I'd be like, no, no. Yeah. I think. But I also, think, if I think it's the the not the right chocolate, then, as
0: well. As what? Well, sorry.
1: If it's not the right chocolate, then we're off to a bad start.
0: You could honestly pick <laughs> the the most pleasurable chocolate on the face of this earth, and I, and I still think you would get like diminished returns or on, on that enjoyment.
1: Oh, you will. Yeah, probably. Um, because you, you, you just kept fed up, would not you? You just.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so he's right again. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say. um which it. Wish it. Which is why pleasure, in of itself, you know, which, again, is the, the point that Paul's making. Is why, uh, you know, it's not. It's not going to lead to direct happiness. Unfortunately. No. no.
1: Um.
0: He also. He also talks as well. I mean, he doesn't really talk about it like directly, but it may, It made me think a lot about, um, kind of like status um So you know, like, yeah, you know, when you know, obviously, like when, when we're thinking about pleasure and 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 happiness, I think that often relates to how we compare ourselves to other people, right? I think, mean, yeah, so it, it, does, it doesn't matter how much you have; it's always, it's, I would argue, it's always kind of relative to your next door neighbour or,
1: yeah, you're always looking <laughs> at what someone else has or that guy that's got a Rolex in work, and you've just got a normal bog standard. Watch.
0: Right. yeah
1: yeah exactly or he's buying the brand new phones all the time and you've just got the same one but then is he actually happy is he actually happy having all this money and being able to get all these things um <clears throat> i mean because
0: <clears throat> i mean again know, it's that like diminishing returns here and it like it's like it kind of yeah. like i'm sure he's got a beautiful yacht but he's probably going to need to buy a bigger yacht next year
1: yeah this is it the, the the next best thing comes out and he's like oh i'm not happy now i need to get this thing i need to get that thing Whereas if you're average Joe that's stuck with the same phone, with the watch, you're probably quite content with what you've got. Mm-hmm. You might have a bit of envy, a bit of jealousy that they can get more than you, afford more than you, but you're probably more than content with what you've got as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, and, my, and my intuition that is that pleasure in and happiness are kind of exactly the same as that like it's always in relation yeah. to friends or something right
1: yeah that's it it's your social standing who who you you know who you get on with who you speak to and how how you're treated by them people you what know do you, what do you mean well you know you do you don't want someone to, you don't want to have a group of friends and someone being like oh i've got all this and all that and i earn this amount of money and i can afford to buy that like it just made it make you feel a bit crap uh, wouldn't it like you know it's yeah, yeah. it's that guy instead of showing off with watches and phones you're showing off with what you, you you've got or mm-hmm. what you say you have I
0: think, I think we're kind of pre-programmed to like you know sort of compare ourselves to our immediate peers
1: you are and i think you're also pre-programmed to like i say get jealous and envious of someone who's got something better. Because mm. you always want to have that thing or, you know, the latest, I don't know, game console, phone, whatever the biggest thing at the time is. But then is that really going to bring you happiness or are you going to play it for like three weeks and then be like, ah, this is a bit boring, this game console? Well,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, You won't doubt be happy for about a Yeah, you'll be happy for three
1: weeks and then that's it.
0: Um, and uh, I, I, I mean, I don't. I, I'm not going to go into detail of it now. But anyone who's kind of has an interest in kind of like the evolutionary history, history side of things as well, of kind of like how pleasure and pain developed, would also quite like his book because he talks a lot about that.
1: Mm-hmm. He does. Um, he, go, he did. He does go through the 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 ages quite well with it. And yeah. comparing them quite well as well.
0: Oh, what's your, what, what do you mean?
1: Like between as he goes between the ages, you know, he he, he does compare them quite like quite well in the sense of, you know, you know, when he's talking about Hitler or whatever, they didn't have as much as what we would now and the technologies and stuff that we have now. But he always tries to make sure there is something you can relate to in that part.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. For
1: you to be able to understand and compare it to maybe where you are now.
0: That is true. Um, oh, I probably have maybe one one more things to to stay and then yes i've also i have maybe i, I did have one one or two recommendations actually um not that i don't love you paul if you if, if you're listening <laughs> Noah book is but is perfect um he he talked about um the and again i i not really heard this before i love kind of like you know when you read something and you think oh, i kind of knew that but i didn't have a word for it um where he talks about like the kind of like the the experiencer and the experience kind of like you know like someone like the part of you that's experienced something now and the part of you that's already experienced it and you're thinking yes. about it in like retrospect yes um because yeah because he he talks about that uh, he talks about that a lot in in terms of like like pleasure and pain you know like something that is uh, I'm trying to think of what was the example he used I, I think again I think I think it was Matt my Matt, Matt Everest, wasn't it
1: mm-hmm.
0: um where you would where where obviously In retrospect, you would think, oh man, that was like the most pleasurable, amazing thing I'd ever done. It was so fun. It was great. Yeah. But if you're actually experiencing it, it would be completely different. At the time, it would be horrendous. It wouldn't be as well.
1: Yeah. It's he talks about it as if you go through the motions and it is the example of climbing the mountain and he's like you know at the time it's horrible you've got to do this you've got to do that you've got to deal with the sickness the oxygen whatever else and he Mm. goes yeah you get that moment of euphoria where you might reach the top but then you realize you've got to get back down as well so you've not actually got anything from it until you probably get back to the bottom and maybe even have a day or so away from it and with your family, and then it's like that grounding kind of happens, and you're like, "Oh wait, hold on! I actually did that. I've actually mm-hmm. done something amazing." But it's not until a bit later that you realise how amazing it is what you, that thing you've actually done. Yeah, yeah, it, which, is, it, which is true.
0: Yeah, which, which basically means that you didn't really enjoy it at all, but you just reframed it no. after the fact, and yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's it. But you'll still turn around to tell everyone and tell you that tell them that it might it's like one of the best experiences you've ever had because you've climbed a mountain you can't exactly go oh yeah I climbed a mountain but it was really really rubbish it wasn't that great I didn't enjoy it no one wants to hear that I think that's he also mentions that in the book nobody ever wants to hear the bad things about when you've done something incredible like climbing a mountain something that's insane that you have to plan and prepare for yeah no one wants to hear the bad things we only want to hear the good things.
0: That's true. That's true. As, As humans. I, yeah, so you yeah.
1: can't turn around and tell people the bad things. So I suppose over time, the more you tell them how great it was, it it must become that great thing for you because you must slowly forget how horrible some parts of it were. Oh, you I mean, yeah. You really never really aim the good stuff, aren't you?
0: Yeah. He, he doesn't really talk about, kind of. I suppose, the role of, of, of memory in this. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been shown that kind of like repeatedly – recalling a memory will will, hmm. will change the memory over time. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, that's it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I yeah. don't think he directly says that, but it kind of I thought he kind of hinted at it, but I think you kind of have to read between the lines to get that as well. Yeah, yeah, so. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, I have no doubt he already knows that, but um yeah, there's, there's loads of cases of of kind of like um you know, like sort of like thera- therapeutic work with patients where they've like recalled obviously like like previous trauma and like kind of it's yeah like the memory's kind of it's almost grown so like it becomes worse over time or better
1: over time. yeah um, he um he talks about the farmer as well doesn't he he gives quite a good example where the farmer has a horse that runs away and his neighbors are like oh that's really really sad and he's like yeah maybe but the horse comes back with three other horses with it and they're like oh this is amazing And he's like, yeah, maybe. And this guy never takes a positive or negative outlook on it. He's always like, yeah, maybe. It might be okay. (laughs) But when he's telling others about it, they're like, but why? That's a great thing that these things have happened. And I think that's, you know, that's the similar sort of thing of being like, things get better the more you tell it. People only pick up on the fact that four horses came back, not the fact that he lost one. And that Mm -hmm. was the only one that he had at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
1: I think that's it. It's it's how, it's how it's remembered when it's told, and you only to having to tell, like, say the good things, but also people's perceptions of it because you watch people's reactions. So you're only going to say the things that get the reaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the takeaway, basically, of this book is is how much of both pleasure and pain is just is just perception, right? It's it's like how you framed it essentially. Yeah,
1: it is. It is. You know, you might burn yourself on the stove and, yeah, that's painful, but you can flip that and look at it another way and then you've maybe learnt a lesson and, you know.
0: Yeah, but I, I imagine equally there are, you know... There's um, people
1: that will probably do that because they yeah, want to hurt yeah, themselves. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I've no doubt there are, that the, probably wasn't there are my clubs that you, that you can to, go to. <laughs> so it's like burning yourself on the hob. But, you know...
0: And and are also kind of like I suppose a like religious spin they put on that. I mean, you like where, where you where you have that thing where you like walk on hot coals or some type of as mm-hmm. like as like a really religious. Yeah, passage, people. Loads of stuff like that.
1: Well, people do that for charity and stuff like that, don't they? Mm-hmm. They'll run a marathon for charity. But if you said to them run a marathon normally, they probably mm-hmm. wouldn't. And it is literally just that perspective of oh wait, I'm doing this for a good thing.
0: So was there anything about the book that you would have uh, liked more of or you know uh, you know any 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 criticisms
1: um do you know what for me because i've not really read much of his stuff i don't really like i say we've only also done one other of his books i think and as someone that doesn't um really know much about the field that he's in i think it's actually quite a good book as for anyone to read so for me personally i don't think I really have any criticisms of it I think it could have maybe been a bit longer and it could have expanded on things a bit more but then I also think if he'd have done that you could have lost some of the readers in the knowledge and you know the technicalities of things so I I personally think no I, for me this was up there as one of the books ah nice nice yeah I, um, I- I think he's explained things really well. Like I say, yeah. like I said at the beginning, if you you might know a lot about it, you might know nothing at all. But he explains things so so well that you don't even need to go away and Google something if you're a bit confused. Mm-hmm. He he does it so so well. So for me, no, there's uh yeah, no, I think I don't think there's anything I could criticize, to be fair.
0: I mean I mean, like you, I I would have liked more, but I, I always want more of Paul's work. So i mean that's 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 a given um my, my my only thing that i would have i would have liked is maybe a bit more on on, on kind of exploring you know the, the sort of the implications of of you know pleasure and pain and happiness through throughout through i suppose that the the technologies of our time so you know, you know things, mm. things like social media um because obviously so yeah. many people derive happiness um and 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 unfortunately <laughs> deal with deal with considerable suffering due to
1: social medias yeah
0: yeah and 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 just like in general kind of very virtual mediums which haven't which hasn't which was just relatively new really in the way that we've in the way that we experience pleasure and pain i think that would have been quite interesting to explore a bit more
1: yeah that that would have been i mean i uh, from from reading the end bit with the acknowledgements it sounds like he started this just before covid and wrote it through covid so don't know whether he maybe have the resources to do it mm-hmm. i suppose we live in an age where we do we are on social media all the time but it's being able to get that information
0: yeah yeah and and, and especially the way the way it kind of exploits us you know to you know to, to constantly give us that dopamine hit you know that, that, yeah. that engagement attention is a new form of kind of pleasure right that it kind of uses
1: but um, it's also would you actually get an accurate reading because a lot of people well maybe not a lot of people but it's it's easier to lie on say social medias and stuff mm-hmm. than what it is when you're actually within a proper research like he has done for mm-hmm. for this. It's easier to click a button that says, Yeah, I'm always happy than actually being there talking to someone and then picking up on the the things that you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I just think there's I don't don't disagree with that and yeah like self self reports in general are unreliable I just Mm -hmm. I just think there is something philosophically different about um you know I suppose the you know social interaction and feedback from your peers that's just different to you know like a face-to-face compared to a a virtual there and it's so much larger as well
1: oh yeah definitely Um, on social media
0: yeah yeah maybe
1: he's gonna do a whole book on it
0: maybe Hint, hint, Paul. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've, I've got no more. Um,
1: no, I, I think we've touched up on quite a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Um,
0: well, yeah. I, I hope that what? our, our listeners have enjoyed this yes. book, book, book review um, on the sweet spot by Paul Bloom. So stay tuned for our next. Well, uh, I was, was
1: going to ask you, what are you going to rate it on the Anton scale of? bookness
0: oh the Anton scale of bookness that is, yes. that is some powerful <laughs> english right there
1: no the the scale of what is it we normally do one to five
0: um i, I thought we changed it to one to ten because Did that ten?
1: yeah i think we were getting a struggle in a little bit weren't we with the one to five
0: uh i gotta say it's a strong eight out of ten for me yeah five.
1: i'd agree eight out of ten yeah yeah um, definitely and maybe maybe even nine like i say it's definitely up there on the books. Yeah. Although I don't I think I've said that on pretty much every book we've read as well. <laughs> That's okay,
0: It's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I only generally pick good good books for us to, to review anyway, because that, that, that would that would make a... for a slightly awkward review.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think there might've been one where we disagreed a little bit on a view, but yeah, yes, no, yes. Um, yeah. We usually get the good books.
0: Well, this has been a End of World Podcast. And as usual, thank you, Andrew, for uh, dropping in and helping me review the book.
1: I'm more than welcome.
0: And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next, next one
1: in three months time.
0: (laughs) When we feel ready. (laughs) And you've been listening to the end of the world podcast with Anton Roberts plus guests. If you'd like to leave a message, please do so, after the bleep.
1: Like, comment, subscribe, because knowledge is for everyone.